Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and this is Pathways Belong as we are continuing to go on our 40-day journey together. Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Eric Todd and we've been going through just different things of what it means to belong to the body of Christ. We've talked about worship. We've talked about just community and connectivity, connecting with biblical community. We have talked about service. And today we're going to talk about outreach. And I know when I say that, a lot of you internally groan. And the, and the reason that you've grown, I, I, I think it's not so much the concept of, of sharing love that, that you have a problem with, is, is the image that comes to mind when you think about outreach or evangelism. There I said it. And when I say evangelism or an evangelist, you all of a sudden in your mind, you're like guy with a sparkly suit patent white leather shoes, you know, uh, you know, serious bling going on, or somebody with too much makeup weeping, or, or something like that. Or, or maybe you think about, you know, people on the, on the corner with, with signs saying, you're going to hell. You don't even know me. You're still going to hell, especially you, you know, those kinds of, kinds of things. And I'm just going to be really honest with you, those, those things repel me as well. But when I think about evangelism in the biblical sense, when I think about outreach or evangelism and think about, about evangelism, uh, that Greek word meaning gospel, and gospel meaning good news. Then all of a sudden, wait a second, aren't we people of the good news? Aren't we people of the gospel? Isn't that what it means to be a follower of Christ? But it's been, it's been so perverted, right? I mean, it, it's been manipulated. People have used evangelism and, and Jesus as a, as a way to pad their own pockets or, or to gain power or, or stuff like that. And, and, and honestly, those of us who are people of the gospel, we, we should feel ill about that because that doesn't represent the good news, does it? I mean, this it's gotten to such a point in the 21st century that, that people will put on stickers on their car and said, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question? What is the question? And I think that our culture has gone beyond kind of this collective sense that, that you know what, we know that there's something wrong. Something that is wrong beyond what can be fixed by technology or by medication or, or just having the right relationship or getting the right car or something like that, that I think we're beyond people actually thinking and believing in their heart that there's something 
intrinsically wrong with the state of humanity. And I've given a lot of thought to this, and over the past year and a half or so, uh, I've, I've been writing a book about, about this, and, and we're going we're gonna to do a series on it in January, but I want to just take a piece out of it. It's not even fully formed yet, but, but recasting a vision of, for outreach and evangelism and what it means to be a people of God. When I was in reading my, um, my Pathways Belong journal, I mean, ultimately, I think what Rebecca Hagen wrote, or she didn't write it, but she, uh, she quoted John in 1 John 4.12. This, to me, I think encapsulates the idea of who we are to be as evangelists, the people of the gospel, people of the good news. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And His love is brought to full expression in us. And to me, that's what it means to be people of the good news. To allow the love of God to be brought into full expression in us. In this lost and hurting but well, we got to go back a little bit. Why is that even needed? Why evangelism? Why, why outreach? Why all of this? Well, it all starts back in Genesis where God creates humanity in the ideal state. This idea that there's this garden and there's man and woman together and creation, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And they are all together in perfect harmony. That in Genesis 3, we get a picture of, of cool breezes in, in the garden, and God, in just kind of His regular kind of thing, was walk through this garden with you know, where the mosquitoes wouldn't bite you and there was no ragweed and, you know, you didn't have to take, uh, you know, your inhaler. Everything, everything's great. And he, and he walks with his creation and he exists in this unfettered presence. This is the ideal state. This is what, what God created. This beauty. But God also created humans who had the choice to choose, or the, the, the privilege to choose, because love is a choice. And one day, the man and the woman said this, I want to be like God. And that I ushered in a new state, a cursed state, where that I blew apart the perfect harmony of the ideal state, and what was ushered in was the, was the curse, the curse of the I. This curse of isolation and hostility. The, the Bible says in the, in the curse in Genesis 3 that God says, you know, because you've done this, there will be hostility between man and woman. Ladies, 
This is why your husbands do not pick up their underwear on the bathroom floor. We are under the curse. I mean, that, that's, that's, what, that's what happened. This is, you can go, why do you do that? Well, men just say Genesis 3, then run. You know, uh, you know this is it. And this is, and then, you know, this is when ragweed came in and, 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 and mosquitoes were biting us and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? A lot of times we don't think God is subject to this curse too. Now, stay with me. God loses his intimacy with his creation, the creation that he loves. Boom! The ideal state is blown apart, but you know what's really cool? God, in the midst of Genesis 3, in the midst of this curse, says, you know what? Even though we are... We are separated and there's going to be isolation and hostility and and all of this pain. I am going to make it right. This is not the end. And there's this blessing within the curse. And humanity goes on for a couple of thousands of years and they start to mature and and, and start to yearn out and say, God, we, we want what you promised. We want the ideal state. And God says, you know, you're not, you're not ready for the ideal state yet. You still have some learning to do, but this is what I'm going to do. In Exodus chapter 20, God called a man named Moses and said, you know what, Moses, I'm going to give you this law. And this is going to bring some order to the chaos. And that, you know, man and woman will come back together, and that they'll be able to interact with creation in a way. And, and, and he says, if you obey this law, you know what? You will be able to establish a right relationship with me, with God, and people. And that's what the law is all about. When you go through the law, everything is about establishing a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. And then for 2,000 years, people tried to do this and tried to do this. And what Eric was talking about earlier, about 2,000 years ago, humanity was ready. That Romans chapter 20 tells us that the law was given to allow us to realize the need for grace. And that ushers in a, a new state of grace. In John 3.16, it says, So God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That's the symbol of Jesus Christ, the, the X and the P, the child in the row. And, and this idea that, you know what? We are not saved by the law. The law is actually death. The law is part of the curse. but we are saved by grace. And Jesus comes and and gives us a new covenant and a a new command. He calls it the great commandment. He says, you know what? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. But there has to be a price that is paid, 
under the law, the law of death. And the only person who could pay that was Jesus Christ. And that ushered in the state of atonement where Jesus came and that eye that is the the center of sin and that hostility and that isolation was covered by the cross. And we were just singing about that. But you know what the cool thing is? Jesus didn't stay on the cross. That actually he rose again and brought in a state of commission. Paul writes and says, you know what? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we should be pitied because we're idiots. That we are fools. But because he rose from the dead, that changes everything. And Jesus, out of the tomb, he comes to his disciples, to his followers, and he gives the great commission and that ushers in this this new state of mission of the church to go and make disciples, not converts, but disciples. And I know some of you just cringed. Read your Bibles. Jesus didn't say go make converts. He said make disciples, people that you are going to teach, people who are in... Actually, that's what he said. You teach them, and you baptize them into the body of Christ, into the church, in this mission that we are the church. And then the disciples all started freaking out. Well, well, you're, you're going though, because Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? We don't have any power. And he says, you know what? I'm going to send a counselor to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put you into a new state, a state of empowerment. And you know what about this, this spirit here? This spirit that indwells in you is the very same spirit that rose me from the dead. Is that good enough for you? You think you can fulfill the mission to disciple people? Do you think you can teach them how to love me and love others? Do you think you can baptize them and and make a biblical community to challenge them? Because you know what? You're not doing it. It is under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are my tangible hand and feet. And from that, we're ushered in the new ideal state of infinite, oh, excuse me, from there, when we complete the mission that, that Jesus will come again. And when Jesus comes again, this is going to be the most magnificent day and the worst day. And that's just the reality of it. It's going to be the best day for us who have become disciples of Christ. It's going to be the best day for those of us who have followed Him with reckless abandon. Say, yes, Jesus, You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I accept what the, the payment that You made on the cross, and, and I am a follower of You. But it's going to be the worst day because just the reality, and it hurts, and it should hurt. That some of our friends and family who, we, who were invited to the banquet, to the feast, chose not to come. And when our loved ones are not 
at an earthly party or an eternal party, that just stinks. And it should break our hearts. And if it doesn't break our hearts, there's something wrong with our hearts. And finally, that second coming ushers in an I, uh, infinite love, the state of infinite love that, that it is all finished. But the cool thing is that we see in Revelation chapter 21 that the ideal state is no longer a garden, but it's a city. I like cities. I like concrete, which is cool. And let me read you this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of the heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and Him and they with His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And that is the story of God. That is the story that we're living out. And right now, you and I, those of us who have accepted that free gift of salvation, those of us who have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, that, that we are empowered to be the kingdom come. That we have been given this mission to be the good news. And that happens in all sorts of ways. One, and... And this is where I think that we need a new definition of evangelism because evangelism is not manipulative. It is not high pressure. It's us living as the full expression of God in the presence of darkness. And it can be fun. It can give you an example. I love riding my bicycle. I like riding my bicycle as fast as I can. You know what? I also love people. And you know what? A little over a year ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my worlds together, my, my love for people and living the full expression of God and, and bicycles. And so I started a... Um, junior cycling team. And on Tuesdays and Fridays, in a little parking lot, it's about, it's about a quarter mile uh, around, I have little nine-year-old kids, and I have all the way up to, I think the oldest is 15 years old right now. And I like the nine-year-old kids because I can ride my bicycle faster than them. <laughs> the 15-year-olds are faster than me. But we go around and around and around. And we have like 16 kids that come out here and we do that and we talk about proper bike handling skills and do this. And, and sometimes with the older kids, we'll go out and we'll race together and stuff like that. 
And you know what? I started investing in these kids as, the, as their cycling coach. And then I st- the moms would be coming around. And you know what? I got to know them. And you know what? There started being times where I saw that they were having a bad day. And I would, I would ask them, can I pray for you? Can I listen to you? And they're like, would you? Thank you. When I go out to dinner with the boys and, and, and I pay, you know what, just subtly, I just say, you know what, I, I just want to thank God before we eat. Not pressuring anything. I'm just like, I'm paying, so I'm praying, you know. <laughs> you don't want to pray? You pay. <laughs> just like, you know, and I don't do a three-point, you know, salvation message in my prayer. This is what I usually do. I just like, you know what, God, thanks for, for these these guys, and, and thank you for this food. Amen. They look up, that's it, that's it. I'm thankful. The other day, one of the families who were previously unattached, the, uh, the father who I had actually never met, was here. And he pulled me aside and he said, thank you so much for what you do. I'm like, it's nothing, you know, we're just riding a bike. He's like, no, no, no. You saved my family. We are now part of this church, that we are together and we are worshiping together as a family. I didn't hold up a sign. I wasn't manipulative. As broken as I am, I was trying to be the full expression of love in these kids' lives and their, and their families' lives. It's not doing something that, that you're not already doing. It's just changing the way you think. You know what? I am the full expression of love in these people's lives, and I may be the only expression of godly love in their lives. And you know what? I am going to look. Yesterday morning with some of the uh, others uh, that are here, we were out at, at Try the Res. There was a triathlon going on, and we took our, our red-eye coffee truck down there. And, and we're down there and, and just hanging out and, and, and people coming up. And I have some people say, you know what? You know, last you were here and you gave me this bag and, and everything. And, and that was really great. And other people would be coming up and saying, like, how much is the coffee? And I said, you know what? It's a gift from my church. It's a gift from Element 3 Church. And, and, and we just want you to have it. Did they fall on their knees and give their life to the Lord right there? No. But you know what? We went to an event that they cared about. And we said, you know what? We care about you, so we are here. And we love you so much that we are not waiting for you to come to us. Because we have been called to be the full expression of love in this lost and hurting world. Last example. It was my birthday on Wednesday. My parents and friends and and many of you have been going like, Mark, what would you like for your birthday? What do you want? Honestly, I'm 44 years old. I have a beautiful wife. I got two great kids. I got a great church. I have a fast bicycle. (laughs) Needs a new motor, but... 
I'm a blessed man. My life is overflowing. Sometimes I feel guilty because of how much love has been poured into my life. And last week on this stage, that man over there, Michael Hanna, whispers in my ear, he goes, you know what, I just got back from Haiti. And you know that kid, Jovens, that I met back in April, he has a malformed leg and the little foot is, is going backwards. And he says, he never smiles. And everybody rejects him. And I think we should figure out a way to get him a new leg get the surgery done and the prosthetics. I'm like, yeah. And I honestly, I'm like, whatever, you know, I mean, not whatever, but, but I mean, that sounds really harsh, but like, I mean, really, what am I going to do? I, you know, I'm a doctor, but as my kids like to remind me, I'm not that kind of doctor. Like, I'm not the kind of doctor that helps people. (laughs) So I'm sitting there, and I'm praying Tuesday morning, the day before my birthday. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for my family. praying that my son does his homework. And Jovens comes into my mind. And I believe with every ounce of my soul, the Holy Spirit which dwells in me, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who dwells in me, said, you do want something for your birthday. You want to see this child walk and see him smile. I'm like, how? How can some Gen Xer from Los Angeles who's a pastor in Tallahassee do that? And again, was reminded the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and dwells in you. And you don't have to do it. All you have to do, all I'm asking you to do is make one post on Facebook telling people this is your birthday wish. Well, I can do that. And at that point, I had a choice. Do I look like an idiot, like another pastor just asking for, you know, money? Or do I be faithful to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who indwells in me, said, post something on Facebook. Be the full expression of God and His love. That's your job. So I posted that. 
I started getting all these messages, people, I can give $20, I can give, you know, $50. Somebody came by and gave a dollar, single mother. She doesn't have anything, widow's might. I found out later that day from Michael that, that a surgeon had agreed to do the surgery. We just needed to raise some money. I found out, I got contacted later by, by a, a prosthetics guy I've never met in a different part of the country. He says, you know what? Contact me. Let's see what we can do. When I woke up on my birthday, the surgery was fully funded. We had a doctor, and this kid has a future. I didn't do anything except pray and obey a prompting to be the full expression of God. I've never met Jovens. I may never meet them. I don't know. I wanted to show you guys a video, and then I want to tell you about my prayer time Thursday morning. That last picture was, was, in my, was in my mind after Michael told me that Jovens has never smiled and, just, and I went back and looked at those videos and, and just saw the pain of the stories that I was told about how he's ridiculed and discarded his trash. And I started praying and I got this image in my mind of Jovens when he's in his 30s. Old guy. And Jovens has become a leader. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just telling you what was in my heart Thursday morning. Jovens was a leader in his community in Haiti. And he had influence. And he's walking around and he's smiling and he's loving on people and he's given the opportunity to talk about his story. And in his story, he says, you know what, when I was six years old, I didn't have any hope. But some, some people who I'll probably never meet, who, call, who were followers of Christ, said, you know what, we want to be the full expression of love 
in this one little boy's life. And he would go on to say, you know what, for many years I thought that they gave me a leg. They gave me a leg. But now as I stand here today as a leader in your community, that I realize that the leg means nothing. What they gave me was a glimpse of what it means to be loved by God. What it means to experience the wave of kindness and mercy and grace. What it means to be touched by the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know what has happened. And the reality is, is the Holy Spirit touches each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus every single day. And it looks and feels many different ways. Maybe it's cycling. Maybe it's a group of us taking the red-eye truck down to um, Railroad Square on a Saturday and, and firing up the, the roasters and walking around and just giving people coupons for, for a free cup of coffee, just compliments of our church. You think that would speak volumes? I don't know. No, John 3.16 on it, just, hey, you know what? Our church wanted to buy you a cup of coffee and you can go right over there and do it. That could happen. It could happen this Saturday. It just takes people who are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to be the full expression of love in this world. I don't even know if that's from God. What I do know is if you are a follower of Christ, that you are an evangelist, you are a person of the good news, a person of the gospel that you are to be the full expression of Jesus Christ, of love in this lost and hurting world. And I just think of our little church, of all 500 of us, just did that. Could you imagine? If every single one of us just said, you know what? I commit right here, right now, that I will be the full expression of love Whenever I'm doing whatever, if it's riding bicycles, if it's serving coffee, if it's preaching, if it's, if, if it's data entry, I am, I am going to be aware. I don't know about you, but that is a vision of outreach that excites me. To be able to mash together your most beloved things in the world and change lives because of it. I want this for you. I want it for me. The great thing is that we don't have to do it. Because those of us who are followers of Christ have the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and dwells in you. 
And with that spirit, anything is possible. And you are invited to participate. Let's live miracles. That's what God has envisioned for us.